It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are seconds away from hearing the daily Locked On podcast you love, but I'd like to tell you about another podcast I think you'll like. Rejecting the Screen, hosted by NBA experts Noah Kozlov and Adam Stanko, features provocative interviews with NBA stars and unique perspectives from around the game. Subscribe to Rejecting the Screen wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Locked On Warriors, your daily podcast on all things Warriors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm Wes Goldberg, Warriors writer for the Mercury News. Today's episode of Locked On Warriors is brought to you by Built Bar, the best tasting low carb protein bar I've ever had. The promo code Locked On gets ten dollars off of your first box at builtbar.com. I'm here with Connor Letourneau from the San Francisco Chronicle, who is joining me for Time Machine Week here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Today's episode focuses on the year 2000. And, Connor, I was going through some articles about players from the 2000 Warriors team. It turns out that you wrote a bunch of those stories about those guys this last year for some reason. But before we get to all of that. Why would I write about the worst team in Warriors history, the 17 and 65 Warriors in 2000-2001? I really – it just just happened by coincidence – and, look, it wasn't my decision to focus on the year 2000. That was David Locke, our boss's job. He's like, do the year 2000 for one of your episodes this week. I was like, all right, cool. Connor wrote a bunch about that team, so whatever. I'll bring him on because that makes my job way easier. I, don't, I barely have to do anything. I'll just have you talk about everything. Um, but <laughs> before that we season, get – That season, as you know, was actually relevant to this season because this season was flirting with being the worst uh, the worst season in Warriors history, and to to earn that title, they were contending with the 2000 uh, 2001 Warriors. So that that team finished with 17 wins, as you know. Warriors finished 15 and 50, um, so 65 games into an 82 game regular season. I think odds are they would have won more than two games the rest of the way, but there was a chance that they uh, they weren't <laughs> they weren't they weren't going to be able to win three more games and would have ended up beating that 2000 team, the worst team in franchise history. Yeah. Throughout the season, you and I referenced that, that 2000 season a bunch of times with some random, you know, stories for context and things like that. But um, a couple of interesting things happened and there was a few interesting players that ha- that, that played for that team. Um, and look, there's a lot of stuff to get into about that season. Interestingly enough, but before we get to any of that, I do want to take some time here to discuss uh, some backlash that happened on not my podcast, but your podcast, uh, Warriors Off Court. I went on your show last week, and we discussed the possibility of Giannis joining the Warriors for the Warriors acquiring Giannis and Tinnacumpo. And you and I got a lot of backlash. And when I say you and I got a lot of backlash, I got a lot of backlash on that podcast. I just sort of wanted to take a few minutes here to start this show by talking about that, mostly because it's just always fun to talk about the Warriors and Giannis. But the real reason is because I want to defend myself. But uh, I think I got a lot of uh, unfair criticism for basically saying, like I said on your show that the the perception around, you know, basketball fans is that the Warriors championships with Kevin Durant were not earned. And 
I've, I got a lot of flack for saying that the Warriors championships were not earned. That was not what I was saying. What I said was that that was the perspective around the league and around fans from, you know, the rest of the people who watch the NBA. And I think I, it, it was crazy to me that I got the backlash, the criticism that I got, because I thought that all Warriors fans felt that level of insecurity. I felt I, like that I wasn't tapping into something new there. I thought I was just basically stating a fact. And I'll throw it to you, Connor. I want you to defend my take, basically, is what I'm saying. Was I out of line on your show? I mean, you were just you were just saying an opinion that a good number of people in the world have. Um, I don't think you're really taking a stance on anything. I don't think you were you, you made it sound like it was your own opinion. Um, I think that's that's maybe where this is getting lost in translation. I think a lot of people might hear that. And immediately their ears perk up, and they think, "Oh, that's that guy for for saying that or thinking that." When that's that wasn't your opinion, um, and uh, I think it speaks to the sensitivity that's out there still among the Warriors fan base. And you know, I, I'll say I personally don't agree with that opinion um, because uh, everything's earned. Because even you know, even the fact that they had they were able to go out and get. Uh, KD and all the factors around that, you might not have agreed with it, you might not have liked it, but it still required a level of an ingenuity and, and uh, you know, uh, there were a lot of things organizationally that had to happen for that to be a reality that I think the Warriors deserve credit for. Um, but I was personally surprised that that blew up into a thing. I, it was it was it was chatter on my um, in my mentions for several days. Uh, yeah. People were like pulling the audio clip and everything. And, uh, you know, it's, it's always interesting to see what resonates with people. Sometimes it's not what you think will resonate. Cause we had like a 45 minute podcast about Giannis. That wasn't even about Giannis. And that's really, I think what hit people the most. Look, and I, I think that if Giannis were to join the Warriors and it depends on the con- how much they have to give up all these things, but if Giannis were to join the Warriors, my point was, I don't know why I still, and I, I still believe this. I'm not sure if I were a Warriors fan that I would want the Warriors to acquire Giannis because I already have that insecurity that nobody values the 20, you know, 17 and 2018 championships. Like I already have that level of insecurity if I'm a Warriors fan, that will be the same thing, you know, rightly or wrongly, it will be the same thing. If you put Steph Curry and Giannis on the same team, that's just going to be the situation. That's just the way it is. And so if I'm a Warrior, if I'm a Warriors fan, uh, I think that the, I honestly do. I think the Warriors, if things break right, can win with Steph, Clay, Draymond, Wiggins, or whatever happens with that max cap slot. And I think they can win with that trio plus other stuff. They can, if they can maximize this window, they can win another championship. I believe that. They don't need Giannis to win another championship. Getting Giannis makes winning another championship a whole lot easier but if I'm a Warriors fan and I have that insecurity already within me, I don't know that I want to deal with that again and acquire Giannis at the expense of, well, nobody's going to value these rings anyway. Um, but that's, that, was, that was the point that I was making, and I don't know if I just made it any better or if I made it worse, <laughs> but um, it just it, my mentions are blowing up too with all of that. And by the way, people are agreeing with me too. I don't want to make it all like everybody's attacking me. Some people are like, no, you're right. I would rather win with Steph, Clay, and Draymond and whatever else versus going after Giannis and building like a Steph, Giannis, and a no-depth team. And 
So I do think that resonated with people on both sides. Yeah, yeah, which is the whole point of podcasting, right, is to spur discussion. So in my book, that was a success. All right, so it's Time Machine Week here on the Locked On Podcast Network. We'll discuss a few things about the 2000 Warriors here in a minute. But first, I wanted to take a second to tell everybody listening to this show about Built Bar because it's the best-tasting protein bar I've ever had, a protein bar covered in 100% real chocolate, absolutely delicious, 16 amazing flavors. Built Bar tastes like a candy bar while delivering fewer sugars and carbs, making it better tasting, better for you than any of its competitors. With delicious flavors like mint brownie, raspberry chocolate cream, and toffee almond, Built Bar is like a cheat code for health-conscious men and women everywhere. These bars are low-calorie, they're low-sugar, they're also high in protein, and they're high in fiber, making them perfect for any ketogenic or any other type of low-carb diet. And in the ad copy, they tell me to talk about my personal uh, dealings with Built Bar, and I've got to be honest, I freaking love these things. Uh, they're, they're not really filling... They're not, they don't have that weird, grainy, artificial texture that a lot of these protein bars have. And I, I eat them all the time. I br- I'm currently in South Florida, and I brought a bunch of them on the plane with me, and I didn't bring enough because I found myself craving. I've got like half a box still in my apartment in San Francisco that I've been just, I'm waiting to get back onto. Um, these things are great. You can, get that, you can get a whole box of them for $10 off. All you got to do is go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKDOWN, you get $10 off your first order. Again, Use the promo code Locked On. That's one word, Locked On, for ten dollars off at BuiltBar.com. Connor, are you gonna get these things? I think I've had one or two from you when we've been on the road. They are really good. I, I co-sign this. <laughs> that's all I needed. So two, two hosts, one Built Bar. That's all you need. The only protein bar you ever need. BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code Locked On. Ten dollars off. BuiltBar.com. Is there anything more craveable than the smell of McDonald's fries? If someone's hiding an order of fries, they're never hiding it well. It takes one whiff to trigger a fry craving that will only be satisfied the McDonald's way. So stand up if you would like to taste the smell of a McDonald's fry right now. Did you just stand? Because if you did, then you earned yourself a trip to the McDonald's drive-thru for your own steamy carton of crispy golden goodness. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Okay, Anton Jameson had the highlight of the 2000 season. We're going to talk about that in a bit. But first, Connor, you recently caught up with, of all people, Vontigo Cummings, a guard on that 2000 Warriors team that went 17 and 65. It's time machine here. It's time machine week here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. For some reason, David Locke asked us to focus on the 2000 season. That's what we're doing. Coincidentally enough, conveniently enough, you just caught up with Vontigo Cummings. Tell us about what he is doing in the year 2020. Yeah, Vontigo is a guy, a guy who I think uh, lives a pretty simple life. He seems to really could be down to earth and genuine, which I think is really what helps him connect to the Warriors fan base during his brief time with the Warriors. Uh, he's back in his, his small town in Georgia, about uh, 90 miles outside of Atlanta, lives um, in a town of like 6,000 people, runs a basketball academy there. Uh, just moved back there after coaching in Puerto Rico for several years. And then, you know, the, the huge hurricane hit Puerto Rico a couple of years ago. And so um, that forced him to relocate. And so he's kind of rebuilding his life and, uh, you know, helping take care of his parents and, and doing all that. So um, staying relatively out of the limelight yet, uh, I think, 
that Warriors fans remember him well. And the reason I wrote about him is that, um, especially during the dynastic years, it felt like you couldn't go more than a couple weeks without seeing Von Tico's name um, on Twitter or in an article or what have you, just because he became kind of the face and the go-to name for those really dysfunctional years for the Warriors in the early 2000s. And it's funny because he obviously was not the best player on those teams. He was not the most recognizable player on those teams, but he just, he, there was something about him uh, that resonated with the fan base. I think it was a, a bunch of factors. I think it was just kind of his almost like childlike innocence. You know, he, he didn't dress according to the dress code. He wore whatever he wanted. He said what was on his mind. He talked in the third person. He, uh, he, uh, you know, would, would hang out with kids in his neighborhood and play video games. He, um, you know, he just made himself available. And, uh, you know, there's also the fact that he wore a face mask for a good majority of his tenure uh, with the Warriors. Um, and it's, it's an interesting thing because um, he looks very fondly uh, back on on his time with the Warriors because he feels a kinship with the organization and the fan base because you have to understand, you know, and you know this, that for a lot of these guys who have kind of a cup of coffee in the NBA, this, that, those, that brief tenure, that brief period of one or two years that they spent in the league, that's something that kind of comes to define them and becomes a major part of their identity. And he very much, still identified with the Warriors and the fan base, um, even though the Warriors are honestly a big reason why he only lasted in the NBA three years. Uh, I think he was probably a good enough player to have a solid seven, eight-year career in the NBA, but, you know, it's all about opportunity, and things were just so dysfunctional with the Warriors that he was never really given a chance to showcase his skills. Yeah, it's an interesting point you make because in your article he talks very fondly about his time with the Warriors, but also mentions that he feels like he could have played a lot longer in the league than he actually did. You did a Twitter poll to figure out who uh, you should talk because you were kind of going with these retrospectives and trying to, you know, where they are now type stories. And a lot of people replied to you with, hey, we want to hear about what Vontigo Cummings is up to. And yeah, like you mentioned, people mentioned Vontigo Cummings and, uh, the story actually did really well online just because I think people still care about him. There's, there's still an affection for him. And the thing that is interesting to me is that it's when I first got on the beat and I started hearing his name, I kind of thought he was just sort of a punchline now because he had this crazy name and was on those really bad teams. It was like just kind of something funny to say, like, Oh, Fontigo Cummings, you know. Uh, but I think that at the root of it, there is an actual admiration and respect for him and kind of what he represented because he did always have a reputation for going hard and diving for loose balls and, and all those types of things. Yeah, and look, the Warriors have obviously had a ton of success recently, but when you talk to real Warriors fans, they think back, like, oddly enough, to those years, those, like, 17-win seasons and stuff like that with, like, real – admiration almost like they just not that they miss it they would obviously rather be winning but they're like this is like kind of the the bleep that we had to get through 
to enjoy yeah. this stuff, right? And, and exactly. Dr. Neil Cummings has sort of become the avatar of all of that. It makes them, I mean, to appreciate anything in life, you need to go through struggles. If you just landed your dream job fresh out of college, you're, you probably wouldn't appreciate it as much as you do the fact that you had to go into wine sales and do all these other things to hustle. To get <laughs> oh, you're talking about me. Okay, got it. <laughs> yes. Uh, and so I think he's kind of the wine sales for uh, for the fan base. <laughs> um, well put. I couldn't have put it better myself. Where does the knee, where where does his name come from? Uh, it is the mix between um, it's the mix between his mom's two favorite car brands. Um, I think it's the Mercury uh, the Mercury Montego, right? And the uh, and Volkswagen. Um, right. So it's just like a completely made up name. I love it. Um, so when you were talking about when you when you were talking to Vontigo, when he talked about those two thousand Warriors, was there something specific that he mentioned that resonated about those teams? Why he loved you know playing with them so much? Um, I mean, I think he, I think the actual team itself, there were frustrations uh, because they were so bad. And anytime there's a team is that bad, there's there's reasons for it that go beyond just a lack of talent. There, that team was totally lopsided in its roster. They were just overloaded in the backcourt, didn't have any serviceable big men uh, at a time in the league where you needed big men. Um, and so he his his playing time fluctuated a lot. The coaching situation was really unstable. He had multiple, several. I think he had three different coaches in his two years with the team. Um, and he did not have a good relationship with Dave Cohen's, the coach there, who at one point accused him of showing up to practice drunk um, when he when he claims, when Bontigo claims that it was blatantly clear that the smell of alcohol emanating in the room was coming from mm-hmm. Oki Blaylock, who later was uh, convicted for manslaughter for uh, killing a couple while actually uh, going through withdrawals from alcoholism. He actually wasn't drunk at the time, but he was uh, going through withdrawals and had a had a, uh, a seizure because of his rampant alcohol abuse. Uh, Anton Jameson was another player on that team, and he had perhaps the best game for the Warriors in that 2000 season. We'll talk about that in a minute, but first I want to talk to you about Blinkist. Uh, it's the most useful app on my phone. It's hard to find the time to sit down and read and learn more. When you don't have that sort of free time you can't read or work on personal development and there's this incredible app that solves this problem i highly recommend it again it is called blinkist blinkist is really unique it works on your phone it works on your tablet works in your web browser it takes the best key takeaways the need to know information from thousands of nonfiction books and condenses them down and just 15 minutes that you can read or listen to successful people business leaders they're well known for reading a lot of books and blinkist is made for busy people like you who want to get the main points of a book quickly so that you could start using that information right away. And with its audio feature, Blinkist makes it easy to finish a book during your commute, on your lunch break, or while you exercise. 12 million people are currently using Blinkist, and it has a massive and growing library from self-help, business, health, to history books. Blinkist has the latest titles from bestseller lists, as well as the classic nonfiction titles that you always meant to read but never had the time to get to. I like Blinkist because there's a ton of self-help books, psychology books, history books, philosophical books that I have on my reading list 
they're really dense, honestly. Like there, there's a lot of science packed into them. There's just, it's, it's, it's kind of tough to get through. You don't read that stuff because the writing is great, Connor. You read that stuff because you just want the information. Blinkist just takes all the information that I need and condenses it down into 15 minutes, and then I'm able to just get it and, and just get out of there and just have that info and, and use that info. So with Blinkist, you get unlimited access to read and listen to a massive library of condensed nonfiction books, all the books that you want, all for one low price. Right now, for a limited time, Blinkist has a special offer for you. Go to Blinkist.com slash NBA and try it for free for seven days and save 25% off of your new subscription. That's Blinkist spelled B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T, Blinkist.com slash NBA. To start your free seven-day trial, you'll also save 25%, when, but only when you sign up at Blinkist.com slash NBA. Support for this podcast comes from CDWNHP. At CDW, we get that an unsecured laptop can put your company's data at risk, making you a little paranoid. I'm not paranoid. You're paranoid. CDW can implement a secure mobility solution using the HP EliteBook with Intel 8th Generation Processors and SureView Privacy to protect your screen from prying eyes. Did you follow me here? IT orchestration by CDW. People who get it. Find out more at cdw.com slash HP security. What was that? Remember to subscribe to new episodes of Locked On Warriors on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. While you are there, you can rate us, review us, say nice things about us. Use the promo code Locked On to get ten dollars off of your first box of Built Bars at BuiltBar.com. Connor, you also wrote about Anton Jameson going toe to toe with Kobe Bryant and scoring fifty-one points in one of the Warriors' few wins in the two thousand season. What stood out to you about uh, how Jameson remembers that game against Kobe? Yes, I wrote that right after Kobe's tragic passing. And uh, the the main goal with that story was to I wanted to do something that got at Kobe's personal history with the Warriors. Um, And, uh, you know, not surprisingly, he was completely dominant against the Warriors because the Warriors were completely awful most of Kobe's career. And obviously, Lakers were really good. I believe they went like... 51 and 17 or something crazy like that in, in Kobe's career against the Warriors. Um, but because there, it was so lopsided, there weren't a lot of real highlights. They never played against each other in the playoffs or anything like that. So the biggest highlight was probably that December 6, 2000 game, uh, which was the first time in Kobe's career where he scored 50 points in a game. He ended up doing it 25 times in his career, but that was the first time. And, Anton Jameson had 51 points and was able to outdo a dual Kobe. And it kind of ended up being probably the biggest highlight of Anton Jameson's career. He he actually had that 51 point 13 rebound game just three days after he had 51 points in the loss of the Sonic. So he was, it was quite a torrid stretch for him. Um, and, you know, in a season where the Warriors didn't really have a lot to cheer for, um, it was definitely a major right spot. Um, but Anton Jameson is a guy who I don't think deserves, I don't think he gets enough credit. I think, um, you know, Warriors fans don't necessarily look upon him fondly because he sort of represents those really inept years. You know, he was the best player on the worst teams and uh, he, those guys don't always have the greatest reputation because they represent ineptitude. Uh, but he was a great player in his own right. You know, he was a two-time all-star. Uh, I think he could have been a really helpful piece for any contending caliber team. 
had a really long career in the NBA. And, you know, it's unfortunate for him that the thing he's probably known best for is being the guy that the Warriors traded Vince Carter for um, because he didn't have the career that Vince Carter had. Um, so it's kind of looked at as another one of those bust things. But he had a really good, you know, he had a good career. Anytime you're a multi-time all-star, it's something to be proud of. So, And he's also, um, you know, I know you've heard Ray talk about, Ray Ritter talk about him. He was a great ambassador for the team during a time when there there wasn't a lot to be happy about, you know, right. when, when there weren't wasn't a lot of media around the team um, and a lot, not a lot of positive questions being asked. He, he stood there and, and was candid and, and did his job and I think handled that a lot better than a lot of star players would on a losing team. So I think he deserves a lot of credit for that. Another thing that I found interesting about that game, it was Kobe's first 50-point game, and I think he went on to have more than 20 of them. But it was Kobe's first 50-point game in his career. So just, you know, interesting that it happened against Anton Jameson and that Anton was able to bring that out of Kobe, right? Like, that, yeah, and they, that's they, a major they thing. together um, on the Lakers. Um, right. Anton finished his career on the Lakers, and he said, and their lockers were next to each other, and he said Kobe would occasionally be like, 50, 50 point on Anton, you know, like they, they kind of bonded over that, and and uh, Kobe never forgot that, which I think says something about Kobe, um, you know, and when I called Anton right after Kobe passed, he said that he – he went into his living room and found the old DVD of that game and played it and just started sobbing in his living room. And that was just kind of his way of grieving the loss of Kobe, which I thought was a pretty powerful scene. I mean, it is powerful. I'm also amazed that he still has a DVD player in 2019. Yeah. I mean, that was, that was my editor's comment. Yeah. (laughs) That's my takeaway from that. Um, I would be remiss not to bring this up because you baited me. You mentioned Vince Carter there. I would argue I would rather have Anton Jamison's career than Vince Carter. I know Anton Jamison never won. That is a won. really hot take. I don't think – like, if I'm a Warriors fan, I would have rather had Anton Jamison than Vince Carter. I don't think that Vince was ever that much better than Anton Jamison. I mean, look, did Anton Jamison win a dunk contest? No. Did dunk contests matter? No. Like, I just don't – like, to me, Vince Carter played on a better overall Toronto Raptors team, never did anything in the playoffs. I don't think that the Warriors would have gotten any further had they had Vince Carter instead of Anton Jameson. That I look, don't think is a hot take. And yeah, I – like, I mean, and you – look, you, look, look, you, the, the you problem, know how I feel about Vince Carter. I don't think he's a Hall of Famer. I think he's the, the most overrated player in NBA history. Not Anton Jameson. Um, right. The problem was that he had literally nothing around him. Like, absolutely nothing around him. It was him, him and Vontigo Cummings. I mean – after a Volkswagen. I mean, their starting center was a Donald Foyle. Uh, that's just where they were at. And uh, I don't, I don't think Vince Carter would be known as the player he is today if he had gone to that Warriors team, uh, given yeah. how bad they were. But yeah. I have a different take on Vince than you do. I know you and I have talked about this. To me, there's no doubt in my mind that Vince is a first ballot Hall of Famer. Um, statistically, um, it's, it's, a, it's, it's ridiculous. very much Hall of Fame worthy. So are Anton um, Jameson. So are Anton Jameson. He is on, like, all-time scoring list in a way that is requisite of a Hall of Famer. But he's not. He's not going to be in the Hall of Fame. And he shouldn't be. And neither should Vince Carter. Impact matters. And um, Vince Carter is a huge reason why game grew so much in Canada and why you have lottery picks every single year now coming out of the Toronto area. Um, And 
why, uh, you know, dunking and, and that whole type of basketball became so trendy and became so marketable. So I honestly think that matters. Uh, is when Stephon, is Stephon Marbury a Hall of Famer? No. Well, he had a cultural impact in New York. Not on the same level. I don't care. At all. My thing is, is with Vince Carter, when you start listing his career achievements, you probably get within – you might start with played in the league for 20 years, and then the second one is won a dunk contest. Maybe the best dunk contest performance of all time. Dunk contest does not register in things that get you into the Hall of Fame. And so if the only thing is that he played in the league for a super long time because he's a really nice guy – and by the way, I've interviewed Vince Carter several times. Really nice guy. I don't think he is a Hall of Famer whatsoever. I don't know what he has ever done of any – like. He's just—he hasn't done anything of any notoriety. He, he I just need to prove his accomplishments for Toronto, but of all so, teams, of all teams, until they went and got Kawhi, those were the best teams that ever had. I, I mean, don't, until, so until what? they started breaking through just recently with DeMar DeRozan. That doesn't they, matter. Gerald Wallace doesn't get in because he's the best Bobcat of all time. Who cares? No, I like my biggest knock on him is he didn't win enough, but. I honestly think that everything else he brings to the table overrides that. And just statistically speaking, he is he is guaranteed. Like, if, if, if basketball was the same as baseball in that, like, 500 home runs and 3,000 hits definitely got you into the Hall of Fame, then statistically he'd be on that same level. If he gets in, Anton Jamison should. Um, this was just an excuse to get more people – to hate on us with more hate tweets and comments. If you hate our takes, if you agree with our takes, you can tweet me at WC Goldberg. You can find Connor at con underscore con on Twitter. This has been Locked on Warriors. Thanks for listening. Thanks for joining me, Connor. Please stay safe. San Jose Sharks hockey is back, and we've got you covered five days a week at Locked on Sharks. I'm Kyle Demetrius. I'm J.D. Young. I'm Eric Fowle. And together we make sure you're never without your Sharks programming. Will the Sharks make a trade for a right winger? We got you covered. Will Eric Carlson's groin hold up for the entire season? We've got you covered. Whatever happens with Team Teal every day, we've got you covered at Locked On Sharks five days a week on the Locked On Podcast Network. This is Josh Lloyd, the host of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast, the number one fantasy basketball podcast in the world. If you're looking for information regarding fantasy basketball, recaps of the NBA, this is the show for you. We are heading into the offseason and starting to get ready for the 2020-2021 fantasy season. We'll have all the information on what happens through the rest of the playoffs, free agency, the NBA draft, and then heading into a big 2021 season. So make sure you're checking out the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast.